0: welcome to center ice today is the third of our four division previews and we're not going to talk about what the nhl is quote calling these divisions we're just going to refer (laughs) to them as the names we know them by so let's get into it let's talk about the central division today matt
1: yes let's jump right into just a buggy matt the discover central division is what i believe it's being called but that will be the last time we call it that this will be the central division and it will be known as that. So you're right. Let's jump into it. And I'd say the central division, uh, we have a pretty general consensus here that similar to the West, there's a higher level of teams and there's a lower level of team, but I'd say the discrepancy may be even bigger here. Cause when you look at this division, it's hard. It's really, really hard to bet against Tampa, Tampa, may run away with this division and have a ridiculous record by the end of it because you've got Tampa, who's really good, obviously winning the Stanley Cup over the summer. And then you've got Dallas, and then you've got Carolina, and I'd say Columbus. But after that, you know, it really drops off. And even after Tampa, I'd say there's a, dec- there's a decline in quality. And that's not going against any other t- of the other teams in this division. That's just commenting on how good the Lightning really are.
0: Yeah, you're right. And and the Lightning are just kind of in a class of their own, as you mentioned, in this division. And there's really no reason to expect that they wouldn't finish at the top. Um, I think that the guys that they've had to get rid of, the Coburns and uh, Paquettes, um, they'll miss those guys a little more than they realize. But at the same time, you still managed to bring back all of your best players. I mean, Steven Stamkos is healthy for the first time in a little while. So that's exciting. He's their captain, of course. Uh, you re signed uh, Chernak and Anthony Sorelli. So, I mean, that's, that's really well done on them. And also, we do have to mention that they are going to be without Nikita Kucherov for the season. And you did lose Vladislav Nemesnikov to Detroit. But again, you know, overall, this is still a very, very good team. Arguably the best goalie in the league. I think you might see uh, a little bit of a decline in production from someone like Point because he won't be playing with Kucherov, who is both an elite scorer and an elite passer. There's just not that many guys like that around the league. But, I mean, they're still just such a good team. So many good pieces. And uh, Julian Braisbaugh deserves credit for how he's handled uh, the lightning ever since he took over for Steve Eiserman And he's done things a little bit differently, I would say.
1: Yeah, you're right. He's made some moves that you, you wouldn't picture Steve Eiserman making. But overall, you're right. I think Tampa, pretty much, for the most part, the same team we saw last year. The one question I have is, will we see a bit of a Stanley Cup hangover? Because it doesn't happen for every team. But it is a general rule of thumb that the Stanley Cup hangover lasts for a couple games. And in a 56-game season, that could hurt a little. But just based on how John Cooper is as a coach and in the lineup this team has, I picture them being more like the St. Louis Blues where they win the Stanley Cup and they just hit the ground running coming into this season. The one thing Tampa, of course, has an issue with is cap space. And, of course, they made that trade with the Senators to – free up some cap space to become cap compliant but if tampa finds they need something they're they're really in a tough situation where they're going to have to give up more than I, a lot of other teams would to bring in whatever that need may be
0: yeah you're right but i also think breeze ball is smart enough that he knows he can kind of take advantage of the less intelligent gms out there and you know get them to pay a price for something that normal teams or better managed teams would not. And I think, you know, they've identified who they want to keep, what kind of their core group is. And I think a guy like Blake Coleman is not necessarily a core player. He's a guy that helped them win a championship. And he's a guy they traded a lot for, but I don't think he's off limits. Um, You know, obviously Patrick Maroon is kind of the same type of guy. Um, but he, his championships speak for themselves. I don't think they're getting rid of him. Obviously they'd love to get rid of Tyler Johnson because again, you don't really need him for the money you're paying, but they've already tried putting him on waivers. They've tried trading him and they've gotten no takers. So they really need to move one more contract. And then I think they're okay for a little bit.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. Uh there's a lot of teams in that situation where we can say if they move one, maybe two guys, it'll make their situation a lot better. And we could see that happening over this season. But overall, if Tampa stays put here, and I think it's more than likely that they will, especially with the division they got drawn into, I think that Tampa will be the top team in the league. It might be a bit of a bold prediction, Matt, but I'm very confident in saying come early May, Tampa will be the top team. They'll win the President's Trophy this year just because of the division there is in just And this is, of course, not accounting for any injuries and things like that, but I really think Tampa, just luck of the draw in the division and how good they are, even if they were in another division, a, case, a real strong case could be made for them to win the President's Trophy again this year. So, Tampa number one team in this division, I think number one team in the league. Would you agree with that? Number one in the league is debatable, but in the division, absolutely. All right. Well, we will revisit that in five months. (laughs) Yeah. And and see how right or wrong I was. And based on our predictions, it's not to brag too much, but you and I are kind of 50-50 on our predictions. So we will see. But let's move on to second place. And then this is where things get interesting, Mac. Who do you have in second in this division?
0: Yeah, um, I debated this for
1: a while, but I'm going to go with the Carolina Hurricanes here. Hmm, interesting. And what would that reason be? Uh, not that I'm against Carolina making the playoffs. I think they will, but I have Dallas in second.
0: Yeah, I thought about Dallas, but I think when you're when you're without, you know, Bishop and Sagan for so long both of them are expected to be back kind of March April which is a long time Um, and Dallas is better than they were when they've lost players like Sagan and Ben before to injuries Um, I still question the offense a little bit you know I think the playoff run was proof that they can score is just can they do it consistently I don't know um, they're not a high-scoring team. Everybody knows that. They're, they're a defense-first team, but they can play with high-scoring teams as they showed in the playoffs. So I just think those injuries will affect them enough. Um, you know, those two guys are kind of players that make players around them better, especially Sagan. And I think... I think Carolina has just shown every year they're taking a step forward. And I think I'm going to say this now, I keep an eye on Andrei Svechnikov this year. I think this kid is only a year away. Maybe it's this year, maybe it's next year from really breaking out. I'm talking about putting up big numbers, you know, maybe 35 goals or so Uh, the points will come eventually, but he's a really good player, obviously. He's got the lacrosse move down like nobody else, which is impressive on its own. Um, and I love Sebastian Ajo as well. I think Marty Nichos is going to get better. Nichos, excuse me. I think I said that right.
1: Yeah, you said it right.
0: Uh, you know, I like the additions they made at the trade deadline. I think Trocek will help them. Uh, Brady Shea's a solid defenseman who fits in with them really well. I think if you, if you allow them to play with that group for a full year as opposed to really a quarter of a season that they had, I think they're going to be a lot better. The only concern I have is is the goaltending. Yeah,
1: and that was something you and I brought up over the offseason. We, we both said Carolina should be making a, a bigger push for some of these top-tier goaltenders that were available and they didn't make any moves whatsoever to improve it. That's kind of where that's where I kind of give Dallas an edge, Mac. you right that Dallas they aren't a high scoring team. Carolina will probably outscore them two to three to one over this division because they're a high scoring, young, fast team. Mm. But when it comes to defense and goaltending, I got to give Dallas the edge there. And that's not saying I don't like Carolina's defense, it's going to be very good and arguably one of the better ones in the league, but just with the experience that Dallas has now, and particularly the goaltending, I don't see any reason why he's going to regress from what he was last year. Maybe a slight regression.
0: Oh. oh, yeah. That'll be interesting, because, I mean, he was lights out in the playoffs. Yeah. Out. Can yeah, he replicate that kind of effort? I don't know. He, he's a hot and cold goalie. I mean, I'm I'm a big fan of his, but the way he plays, and as much as he's going to have to play until Bishop is back, it'll be interesting.
1: Yeah, but... I, th- I think it's going probably going to be two to three, two three between Carolina and Dallas, and it'll be interesting to see where these two teams end up. I-, I still quite like Carolina, and I'm pretty high on them. I think that they will even whether they end up in second or third, they're going to be a team that's going to be really hard to get out of the playoffs, as, as we saw this year. They're not going to be an easy out. They're a young team that's getting better quickly, and if they aren't, as he says, that off doesn't burst onto the scene this year. It's going to be next year. It, it, he reminds me a lot of the situation Brady Kachuk's in in Ottawa right now, where everyone knows he's good and everyone knows he's going to be really good. It's just a matter of when is that breakout season? And it would be really cool to see it this year.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, the only, like I said, the only reason I was hesitant was the goaltending, but you know, even though it's maybe not a tandem you can win with in the playoffs, it has always won in the regular season. And they play about, you know, Reimer plays a little less than Mrazic, but they both play very well. You know, if you've watched Carolina games, both of them give your team a chance to win. It's just, and you know, every once in a while they'll steal a game. It's not every game, but it's every once in a while when you need it. So, yeah, I think, Plus, I, I just really like kind of the camaraderie with Rod Moore and the players. It's a very tight locker room. You know, they care about each other as well.
1: Yeah, you're right. And after the top three, uh, just like the West, I think there's a bit of a drop. Who do you have in four? I have uh, the Blue Jackets in my four.
0: I've got yeah I've got Dallas at four okay. and Columbus at three but I All think right. it'll be it'll be close between those two um obviously yeah. Dallas is a better team I think but again I think without Sagan and Bishop that's that's a real tough loss for them especially for a good amount of the season
1: yeah it'll be interesting to see how that ha- how that plays out but on to the Blue Jackets uh a team that didn't do too, too much over the off season, really, but a team that I think will be just as good as they were last year. You know, uh, you got to give a lot of credit to John Torella in Columbus, Mac. You know, he, a couple years ago, he lost pretty arguably all of his real big star players and still found a way to get his team to the playoffs. And the thing I really like about the Blue Jackets, Mac, is that they may not have all the big star power, but they're a team that plays for one another. And, they all have bought into the system that John Tortorella has been running for the last year. And I don't see any reason why that's going to change. I think that as these guys get more experience and they're more used to playing under Tortorella, they're playing for one another. They remind me a bit of the Hurricanes a couple of years ago in a way where that they didn't have all these big star players just yet, but they knew the system they had to play and they played it very well and they won games. So I think the Blue Jackets are in a similar situation there. And of the the eight teams uh, there's no reason to see why they won't make the playoffs with the great coaching and solid system that the Blue Jackets are playing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You're right. They didn't do a whole lot. I actually don't mind the moves they made. I mean, you brought in Max Domi for Josh Anderson. and I think you realized that he wanted – Anderson wanted too much money. And Montreal – was able to give him that. And I totally understand why Yarmo uh, Kekalainen did not want to give him that much money. You also brought him Miko Koivu. And, and Miko Koivu does not put up a lot of offensive numbers, but if you slot him in as your third, fourth line center, he's going to win a ton of faceoffs and basically be one of the best defensive forwards in the league. So he'll fit right in with Torts. And then the other interesting one was Mikkel Gregorenko. You know, once upon a time, he was a first round pick of the Buffalo Sabres. And he went over to the KHL and uh, really kind of rejuvenated his career. He was given another chance. I'm excited to see what he does with Columbus. But, you know, as you mentioned, they're just, they're a good team. You know, I look at what they lost. Yeah. You lost Josh Anderson and Ryan Murray. I don't think that's a big deal. I think they can handle those losses pretty easily.
1: Yeah, you're right. And Just, we've got to quickly touch on that odd situation with Pierre-Luc Dubois. There was about a 12 to 24 hour span where there were rumors swirling that Columbus is going to trade him. And then there was issues with the contract. And then just as quickly as those rumors started going crazy, they got put to rest and he get he signs to a two year, $10 million contract. And for Pierre-Luc Dubois and the Blue Jackets, I think that's a win-win contract there.
0: Yeah, uh, I don't know how that's going to play out. And I, I'm not sure why players don't like Columbus. It, it's really hard to get players to stay there. But I I don't think that's really fair. I mean, I've, I've always felt like Columbus has always tried to build a winner. And, yeah, they're not, you know, the first team you think of when you think of a place to go and play hockey. But they've got good fans. Um, you know, Kekalainen's a good GM. Yeah, they're... They're very tight with their finances and they they don't overspend on anyone. And if anybody wants big money and they don't feel they're worth it, they're not going to sign those players. And that's okay. There's teams like that mm. around the league, but yeah, I mean, not just Dubois and we didn't really mention line A when we were talking about the North division, but Dubois and line A over the next couple of years, those are going to be really interesting situations to watch because you know, first of all, Dubois is, is a much more complete player. I think his trade value would be through the roof if he were to hit the market. Line a would have a lot of trade value, but first of all, Liney is a winger. And second of all, he's not a two-way player. He's more of a one-dimensional player. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I hope Dubois stays in Columbus because I would hate to see the Blue Jackets lose another really good player for really no good reason at all.
1: Yeah, you're right. And you mentioned how the Blue Jackets have always run a tight budget, and you're right. But I'd say what the Blue Jackets do well is they may not spend a lot of money compared to other teams, but they spend their money in a very smart way. Like, there's very rarely times when you look at the Blue Jackets and you say, that was not a good signing by the Blue Jackets. And particularly right now, yeah, it hurt in the immediate aftermath of losing Bobrovsky, Duchesne, and Panarin, I'd say the Panarin one still hurts for many reasons, but you look yeah. at the contracts yeah. to Shane and uh, Bobrovsky signed for. And if you're a Blue Jackets fan, you got to say, thank goodness we didn't sign them for that money because the Blue Jackets would be stuck in cap limbo right now if they did.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, those were smart decisions. And, and some other GMs around the league, um, they get really anxious when a free agency comes around and they say, you know, we'll give this guy so much money and we'll deal with the problem later. Well, now (laughs) the problem is very real in Florida and very real in Nashville. So, you know, I guarantee you when those contracts were signed, Blue Jackets fans were like, okay, it sucks to lose those players, but wow, am I ever happy? They're not making
1: twice as much as Pierre-Luc Dubois. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) All right. Well, Blue Jackets, we've got our consensus top four there, Mac. And now I think it's going to get really interesting in the bottom four here. You could put these teams in any number of order, Mac. Oh, Who do you have just outside the playoff picture? Because we might differ here.
0: Yeah, uh, I went with the Florida Panthers in that mm-hmm. fifth spot. Um, I think the biggest reason I did was the unfortunate news that Jonathan Taze is dealing with something very serious. That is not COVID related, and he's going to be out indefinitely. It sounds like he's not going to be back anytime soon. Mm-hmm. And they're all, and Chicago is also without Alex Nylander, although obviously not as big of a loss as Tays, but still, I mean, Chicago last year they were they were very inconsistent. They got rid of their best goalie. Um, I, I don't I don't even know who they have plans to play in net this year but all i I know is for
1: you uh let's see uh colin delia and
0: malcolm suban oh my yeah that's gonna go very well i mean i understand Corey crawford is is older but he showed you over the course of the season and in the playoffs that he still has a decent amount left in him Mm -hmm. and he actually stole some games in the playoffs and then you're just like okay you can go to new jersey and now we're gonna have like you mentioned those two goalies who really don't have much experience at all. And yeah, I mean, I, I was tempted to put Nashville below Florida, but I, I think speaking about Florida uh, before I get onto Chicago, pretty quiet off season overall. Um, they kind of made some, I don't know, interesting additions. Like, like you, you got Hornquist from Pittsburgh. You know, he's a guy that is just uh, not fun to play against, especially for goalies. So that's that's an added bonus. You got Venberg, who you're familiar with, Bill Zito's familiar with from his time in Columbus. I actually like the Carter Verhage signing. He's a guy who I think showed that he can play a little more of a prominent role um, when he was with Tampa Bay. And then you brought in Vinny Hinestroza Again, you know, these are decent depth signings. You kind of took a bit of a flyer, I would say, on an Anthony Duclair where you really didn't give him a lot of money and he could potentially give you, you know, 20 goals again. And you traded for Marcus Nudivara, good defenseman from Columbus that they couldn't afford. And you brought in Radko Gudis. So they've kind of, I would say, made their team better overall than they were. Uh, But at the same time, I don't think this team is ready to start taking those huge strides forward just yet. I mean, obviously you have uh, some big prospects coming in Spencer Knight. And uh, you also have Anton Lindell, who's going to be a really good player. But again, you just drafted him this past year. Uh, Gregory Denisenko is a really good young forward. He might potentially make the team this year. And of course I mentioned Spencer Knight, you know, he's potentially a franchise goalie. So Florida has a whole lot coming up and and they, they have built a very interesting kind of hockey department where they've added a goaltending department. What is it called? The goaltending level of excellence or something with Roberto Longo and interesting. so obviously the Florida Panthers are pretty sick of losing. And I actually like the approach they took to the offseason where they didn't spend a lot of money, but they tried to make their team better overall so that they can stay competitive. But at the same time they got rid of some big money players that uh, allowed you to make room for guys like Denisenko and eventually Lindell, et cetera.
1: Yeah. I think you, you, you summed it up nicely for the Panthers and there's still, some work to do in South Florida, but they're making progress. And I think if they were, if they were just a little better, you know, if they had some of their prospects that were going to, their bigger prospects that were really ready to go this year and they really stepped up this year, they might just make the playoffs. They, I think that they could battle for a playoff spot potentially in that four or five position, but just com- when you compare them to the blue jackets or the stars, it's hard to put the Panthers ahead of those two teams.
0: Yeah. They're just, they're just not quite there yet. They're, they're a young team. Um, they're not as complete as those teams you mentioned. And, and they've got some work to do to really take that next step. But I mean, they're acquiring talent every year. They're doing very well with keeping their picks. I think they're making smart decisions on players. Um. And I I like what they're doing. I just – I really wonder what's going to happen with uh, Bobrovsky because the way I see it, first of all, you have Spencer Knight and this kid, Devin Levi, who's starting for Canada, has been very good as well. And you got him with a late pick um, in a recent draft. So you've got two pretty darn good goalie prospects. Obviously, Knight is, is, you know, more franchise potential. And you've got this long contract with Bobrovsky that you need to figure out what to do with. I mean, I don't know if it's going to be a buyout. I don't know if you're going to trade him, but I don't see him staying in Florida for the duration of that contract. There's no way.
1: Yeah, I don't either. Especially with Spencer Knight in the wings.
0: Yeah. I mean, Knight is, I don't think Knight is that many years away. I mean, he's already competing at a high level in college hockey and at the world junior championship. You know, the next step is to play in the AHL and to get some seasoning probably another year or two. And then if he's ready, you give him a shot. Obviously rushing goalies is never a good idea. So you don't want to rush him if he's not ready. He might take a little bit. You don't know if he's going to be ready early. Maybe he's going to be a guy who's ready when he's 25, 26. It's all, it's all guesswork. You know, it's just kind of a wait and see situation, especially with goalie prospects.
1: Yeah, you're right. And then let's move on to the next team on our list. Let's talk about those aforementioned Nashville Predators, Mac. You and I have been pretty critical of the Nashville Predators these past couple of years. And Nashville, uh, similar to Florida this offseason, they didn't do too many drastic moves, but they made a few small moves.
0: Yeah. I mean, you brought in Eric Holler, Nick Cousins, Brad Richardson, Mark Borvietsky, Matt Benning, and you traded for Luke Cunningham. You got rid of Craig Smith, Nick Benino, Kyle Turris, and Austin Watson. And I don't, those don't really move the needle for me, Matt. Like, I don't think this team is much better than they were.
1: Yeah, you're right. Uh, These aren't the types of moves that you make if you really want to improve your team. And it doesn't fix Nashville's uh, tight cap situation either. And they freed up some cap, but they still have a lot of big contracts that are eating up on that cap that David Poyle, which I'm sure would love to move.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But I I think that's a work in progress i think he he is trying to figure out what to do with the obviously you i think they did a great job in drafting a and people have been critical of him but i think you know his talent speaks for itself he just he needs to kind of calm down when he's he's playing in these big games especially it seems like every Every time he gets to the world juniors, he's overplaying pucks. He's sliding all around, all over the place. And he's just not as sound as he would be. And, and you and I had a laugh over him losing his stick, just like no tomorrow in that game against Canada. And it's, it's true. I mean, once he figures out how to just kind of calm down and, and have that demeanor that he can just trust his instincts and, you know, his athletic ability is incredible for a goaltender. You know, once in a while, you'll have to dial it up and make those sprawling saves. But it doesn't have to be every shot. Like, he just needs to figure that out. And, and I think he's still very raw. But I, I absolutely love the pick in Askarov. I think he's definitely the future number one for Nashville.
1: Yeah, I agree. He's going to be big eventually. He's going as I mentioned to you when we were watching the game, you know, he, he's got the raw talent. Now he just – needs the conditioning to mold him into that future franchise goalie. And it might take a couple seasons or more, but as long as Nashville's patient and conditions him and trains him right in their system, he's going to be really good for Nashville. Yeah, absolutely. But just based on Nashville right now, they aren't in a great situation. They're, they're a mediocre team is what they are. And I don't think they'll be competing for a playoff spot this year. They'll have some wins. I think they'll be around 500, but I don't think they're a team that's going to make the playoffs.
0: Yeah, so you have them, what, second last or or third last? I have decision.
1: them third last. I originally had Chicago ahead of them, actually. But as you mentioned earlier, you know, having Caves out and then having the goaltending as weak as it is, I, I just don't see it.
0: Yeah, yeah, okay. We're in agreement there, so... Let's quickly touch on Chicago, and then we'll get down to Detroit.
1: Yep, sounds like a plan. So, as you mentioned, uh, Chicago a big loss having Taves out for an, an indefinite amount of time, and obviously, you and I wish him all the best. Uh, Taves, in his prime, was one of my favorite players, and looking forward to seeing him back on the ice eventually. But what that what this means is this season, I think, is going to be the Patrick Kane show, Mac. He if Chicago wants to have any chance whatsoever of competing for a playoff spot, not saying Patrick Kane is unproven. Of course he isn't. He's one of the best players in the league when he's on his game, but you know, he really needs to step it up this year because after Patrick Kane, it, it's a pretty big drop. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. And I think you're probably a little disappointed
0: that Alex DeBrincat has not taken that next step when he showed you that, You know, he can be a prolific goal scorer, but he's really struggled since signing that big contract. You have him for 6.4 for another three seasons, and he's really got to start earning that money. Uh, I really like uh, Kubelik. I think he's going to be a a player for the Blackhawks. I was really impressed with him in his rookie season. Uh, But again, like, you know, Dylan Strom, okay. Ryan Carpenter, okay. Kirby Dock is injured and out for the year and that sucks cuz I really like the way he played last year and and I think he's going to be a really good player for them. I mentioned Nylander's out. Your defense is is okay. Um you've got some young guys coming, especially Boakvist, who I think is going to be a really good defenseman. The goaltending is not good. It, it yeah. I don't I don't know what they're thinking, but maybe they're to be honest, I've questioned a lot of the decisions the Blackhawks have made, and I'm not really sure why they're rolling into next season with this tandem. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Maybe they've maybe they're convinced that they're not going to be competitive, so they're just kind of tanking for a draft pick. I don't know.
1: Hmm. Yeah, and that's a real possibility. We will have to see what happens with the Hawks. They're an interesting case to watch because they've still got Patrick Kane. And I think Patrick Kane could wheel them to a few more wins than they would have otherwise. But you, you just look at this roster and if they were in any other division, I think you and I would probably have them last. Luckily for the uh, Blackhawks, the uh, Red Wings are in their division. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. But, oh, I mean, I, I think some teams are really going to beat up on Nashville, Chicago, and Detroit here. Oh yeah. it, it's going to be rough for them.
1: Well, wait, that's why off the top, when I we were talking about Tampa, I was saying, I think Tampa could absolutely smoke the rest of this division here in theory if things stay healthy. And imagine if they had Kucherov this year as well.
0: Oh, God. Yeah, that would, if they had Kucherov, I think you're talking about, like, I don't know. I feel like... They would only <laughs> lose like like four or five games, seriously. <laughs> but they don't, so even though they're still the best team in the division, they're not going to have as crazy results as they would have had if they mm-hmm. had to off.
1: Yeah, you're right. But still, this this is a division for Tampa to lose. But let's move on to the final team in this division, Maka. I know you and I have been poking fun at Detroit this episode, but let's give them credit where credit's due. You know, Stevie Eiserman, he didn't make any big moves this offseason per se, but he's quietly building Detroit into a team that, A, won't need to tank anymore, and B, will hopefully in two or three seasons uh, be in a position where they can contend for a playoff spot again.
0: Yeah, you know, he had a good draft. You mentioned... He made some moves. You brought in John Merrill, Nemesnikov, Troy Stetcher, Bobby Ryan, Mark Stahl. I don't love the Stahl move, but he does bring experience. And he's probably not going to play a whole lot. And remember, from Iserman's perspective, he basically got a free draft pick. So he was like, yes, I'll take that. Um, so, yeah, I, I think you give him – maybe two, three more years of continuing to draft and develop players and, you know, selling high on certain players. Clearly he knows how to do this like he did with Tampa Bay. So I don't think it's going to be that much longer until Detroit is really potentially a threat, not necessarily to win the cup, but at least to compete for a playoff spot.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. And I, I really like the Bobby Ryan move. I, I would, of course, you know, I'm a big Bobby Ryan fan. He never really he never really got the hype in Ottawa when he was here. Like, he, he was hyped, but, I mean, he never lived up to the hype. But I think in Detroit, he's going to be in a better role. He's not going to be in a big role. But he's going to be the type of guy that can get them a few points. And he's the type of guy that can help these young forward prospects grow and learn to become – better NHLers. So really, that's all the moves Yazerman made this offseason to bring in mentors to, to get his young prospects who will be playing this off this regular season to get some more experience and learn.
0: Yeah, exactly. And he didn't do too much, but he improved the team enough that they're going to be better. And that's really all you can ask. I mean, he didn't make any moves that You say, oh, why did he sign that kind of contract for that player? Detroit's barely even contending. No, he didn't do that. Everything he did was smart and calculated, and he clearly knows what he's doing. He has a plan.
1: Precisely. I I think Detroit, they're not going to be tanking as hard as they were last season because that was just a – that was a historical tank. I don't even know if Detroit was going to make 20 wins if the rest of the season played out. But this year we're going to see some slight improvements – they'll still be last in this division. The one thing I hope for Detroit fans, Mac, is that Detroit fans can get a top three pick because really they got, uh, uh, to be frank, they got screwed out of the pick. Like they yeah. should have been picking yeah. top three and they didn't. And I, I remember on the draft lottery day, uh, all I could see coming from Detroit fans were just disbelief, you know, worst team in probably two decades and they still didn't get a top three pick. And, And they weren't even upset that they didn't get the top pick. They were upset that they didn't get any of the top three picks. And it's just cruel. And I hope the NHL changes that.
0: Right. Yeah, totally.
1: Any other thoughts on the Central, Mac? A a pretty, I wouldn't say a one-sided division, but a division that's probably a bit easier to predict than our final division coming up.
0: Yeah, no, I think it's just going to be kind of the four teams at the top battling it out. And then you've got, you know, I would say Florida and Nashville will be competitive, but not great. And then you've got Chicago and Detroit. Chicago, obviously, just too many injuries for them to have a really good season, in my opinion. And then Detroit, they're just, they're too young. Uh, They are better, but they're not much better when you're competing against teams that are just that much better than you.
1: Yeah, you're right. All right, well, that should just about do it for this episode. Of course, so, uh, we should mention, Mac, before we sign off, that the World of Juniors uh, gold medal game is tonight. And that will be a lot of fun. Canada, USA. Uh, any predictions for tonight's game, Mac?
0: This is going to sound biased because I am Canadian and I am rooting for Canada. But man, the way they've played this whole tournament, just it's almost like, they, they know that they have all the talent in the world and they know they are the quote best team on paper, but, you know, Andre Trigny and the coaching staff and the players have done a really great job of just not letting that get to their head. Like, you know, how many team Canada teams have we seen, whether it's junior or Olympics when they have just this ridiculous roster, even their B team is better than some other teams. And they just, they don't play hard enough. And they, they get outclassed by other teams that don't have as much talent, but their work ethic is better. But this year I I haven't seen that, you know, they play hard. They've got a great four check. They're good defensively. Uh, Devin Levi has been a really nice surprise in that he hasn't been tested too too much yet. So I am a little worried about that, especially against the U S but I mean, I'm just really impressed with how Canada's played. I can't see them losing this game. I really can't.
1: Yeah, it's hard to bet against Canada because I remember coming into this tournament, Mac, I told you when we were watching the game that Canada always kind of has a gold medal slump, at least the past 10 years. And we just aren't seeing it this year. They've all bought into the system. Andre Torghini has presented them. They're playing as a team. They're winning as a team. Their defense has been great. Goaltending has been great. They really are the best team in the tournament. And I agree. It's hard to see them losing, but we can never underestimate the United States because credit where the credit's due, Mac. the Americans are ne- just like the Russians and the Finns are never out of any game. They play hard. They've got some real good talent on that team. And the if any team's going to beat the Canadians, it's going to be the Americans.
0: You're right. But in order for that to happen... They need some big efforts. They need Zigerus to continue being as good and maybe be even better than he's been in this tournament. You need Turcotte to be, you know, that good. You need your defense, who I've been really impressed with, to be that good. Everybody on the American team, especially the kind of superstar players, they need to raise their level if they want to compete with Canada because you can expect that Canada will do the same.
1: Well, that should do it for this episode. As always, thank you for listening. And you can find us wherever you get your podcast. This episode is brought to you, as always, by the National Podcast Network. Our next episode should be coming fairly soon, where we will talk about the East Division. Once again, thank you for listening. And as always, enjoy the game and stay safe, guys.